0: Welcome back to following No on Stormlight" podcast. This week is episode one hundred and fifteen, and we are doing chapters forty-eight through fifty-one of "Rhythm of War." Elliot, how are you?
1: I'm good. Good as always. Ready for
0: more "Rhythm of War." Sounds good. And Paul, good. Good. Who's on our
2: mug? Our uh, if you want if you would like to call it a mug. Uh, Is it this a generous week? term. That's a kind term. Um I mean it works, you know. Um uh, but I I do want to say a big thank you this week we have a surgeon, a new surgeon in our midst saving many lives. I I hope uh we have a note Pardon if I if I say it wrong. Novobaz. Novobaz. Baz, Nova Baz. Okay. <laughs> And uh you were on a <laughs> What is what was Italian seasoning in a in a little container? Um, we e, yes, no, Nova Baz, uh, which I'm sorry, I I really need to try and find a good lighting or a better way for this to show up. well on camera. But Mister or Mrs. I'm sorry, Nova Baz, um, uh, we thank you so much for your support and, and everything. So um, yeah. I really appreciate it. I'm going to try to not get any leftover Italian seasoning. Keep going <laughs> up while I drink this. I didn't realize it was around the lid. The container is entirely clean. I already dusted it, but yes.
0: Might be my favorite vessel of yours so far. That's a very, very good one.
2: We all love some Italian seasoning. So, yeah. Thank you, Nova Bads. Yes, thank you.
0: All right. Do so you guys have uh, two words to summarize episode 115?
1: My my two words might go really nicely with uh, Paul's Italian seasoning over there. My my two words, I kid you not, are juicy steak.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Very good. Wow. Very good. Mine are a little bit different. No food involved. Uh, my two words are offense and conversation. Okay, let's use these four words
0: somehow and talk about rhythm of work.
2: I do really love a juicy steak. I'm excited to hear about
1: this, honestly. Go ahead. There, there's a character there's a character in our story that also loves a, a juicy steak. I I struggled to, to find something clever to try and tie into multiple characters or, or chapters we're we're having here. So I, I ultimately gave up on it and just keyed in on my probably my favorite quote from my favorite moment from these chapters, which was what is a cow? as wit laments the fact that Rochard does not have beef, big, juicy, delicious as he describes them. So I, I just envision wit thinking of a, a big juicy steak.
0: Very, very nice. Paul.
1: I would also
2: lament if I knew what steak was and couldn't have it any longer on the earth. So that it's would true. be sad. Um, my two words are offense and conversation. Offense, uh honestly, a lot of it is in one way, those words go together into a rather offensive conversation that we see with Yasna and Wit and starts, is it Ruthar? It's the, the other gentleman. Uh, <laughs> uh, quite a conversation there. We also see some conversation which I didn't know was completely possible, but we kind of get a connection between Navani and Kaladin in in the tower, uh, which we'll talk about more. Uh, I don't fully understand how it happens, but they they get to talk and the uh, yeah, lots of important things. So that was the the purpose for my words this week. Sounds good.
0: Alright, without any further ado, we can walk into our second flashback chapter of Rhythm of War, chapter 48. This one I enjoyed way more than the first one. There's actually a lot of interesting things that happened in this flashback chapter. I. this is a purely and I flashback, I don't think Venli's in this one. She is she's begun to break down the communication barrier with the Alethi and begun to learn Alethi and they're they're teaching her some words but there's some miscommunication and some false assumptions um, back and forth between uh, both these cultures so Esh and i just assumes that all the humans are in the same form that she meets but then she learns that oh no they don't have forms they're just always worried about everything in life which is kind of blows her mind that you don't commit yourself to one thing at a time and switch forms so there's there's a miscommunication there and then one of gavilar's ardents asks eshenai if they worship the chasm fiends and I doesn't understand the word worship so she asks for clarification and he says, oh you know reverence do you do you respect them And she's like, well well yeah of course that wouldn't you know, who wouldn't respect the chasm fiends and so then they translate that as oh yeah that they, they worship them the, the the listeners worship the chasm fiends which if you remember back to the way of kings that was part of their, That was something that they assumed about the, the Parshendi was they, they worship the chasm fiends, so just a little bit of a, a throwback there. So what did you guys think of this episode, or this chapter?
1: Yeah, very very interesting to watch the the interactions there, the the miscommunications or the mistranslations as they're learning each other's languages. I, I did key into the same one you caught on to, to Trevor, the, the worshipping bit of it, which I do remember that back to... Way of Kings. <clears throat> I remember too. Back in Way of Kings, there was so much uncertainty about the the Voidbringers or, or the Parshendi and what they what they were, their their culture, and it seems like they should have known more, Dalinar. Mm-hmm. It seems like they should have known more based on these interactions that we're seeing here. But it, it seems clear that they're very they, the Alethi, are very focused on like the the one or two things they're trying to learn about, and they're they're not actually learning a lot about the the culture of the listeners here.
0: Yeah, there's and if you think about the voices that we were receiving information from, from Wave Kings, it's not the scholars that are, you know, writing this down that we're learning from here. It's Dalinar, right? Who's right. very war focused, very I'm going to get revenge on these Parshendi who backstabbed my brother. Right, that, that's his mindset in the way of king. So he's not worried about their culture.
2: Personally, going into into this chapter, I was mildly confused. Uh, well, parts of it I didn't understand the purpose. Which every time I've had this before, I give it. Another episode or two and it's like a lot of these things will be answered. Um and and kind of this like reverence or worship thing with the Kazophines was one of those. I don't understand what I'm being shown or what the purpose of this is. Uh but I'm just not gonna worry about it too much. In summary, I'll, I'll, if if something big comes of that, or something more important comes of that, uh, we will see. But right now, I'm like, well, I'm just not going to stress over it, because it seems like a really minor thing. Uh,
0: yeah, I just think the main takeaway from this chapter is getting a perspective of Eshenine, where she was when these events were happening, like where she was in her life. She's just she's looking to explore. She wants to see The castles that the humans have talked about and you know if they're setting up this this much for a mobile lunch then you know what other grand feasts must be like that's so i want to go there and then um another takeaway is gavilar's uh motivations for being here eshenai says that gavilar is extremely uninterested in eshenai and her people until she mentions something specific and he sees something specific. So did you guys pick up on this?
1: He definitely keys into the discussion of radiance. Eshenai right. somehow mentions like ancient battles with the radiance or something like that. And like, that's the moment that draws Gavilar into the conversation.
0: Right. And so that, the, that conversation starts, she pulls out one of her ancestral knives and it's actual steel. It, it's actual metal. And as far as Eshenai has revealed to them, they don't have tempered steel. They don't have forges. And so the, the scholar's like, whoa, where, where'd you get that? Didn't you say you don't have steel? And Eshenai says, oh, well, it's an artifact. It's been put passed down for for centuries from the old cities. And that's when Gavilar perks up and says, oh, what are these old cities? And then Eshenai's like, "Uh, you know, just from the old songs where we talk about the radiance and then he's like, what say that again? Cause you know, at this point in Gavilar's life, he's very keen on that type of thing.
1: Cause this I'm trying to get my, my history in, in line in my head at this point, Gavilar is full on like leading the sons of honor, right? Correct. At this point. Because this 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 ties back to our prologue where we learned that one, Gavilar wasn't actually that nice of a guy, and two, he was full in with Amaram on the whole Sons of Honor thing. And so he he's you know trying to track down all this information and conspiracy theories and radiance this and shadesmar and travel and stuff like that. So Yes, this definitely seems of interest to him in this point.
0: Right, and what are what's the end goal for the Sons of Honor? Do you remember? Shalon finds this out when she track or when she sneaks into Amram's uh building. Do you guys remember this?
1: Bring back the radiance,
0: I thought. Yes, but in de- indirectly their goal is to bring back the void bringers they're trying to
1: to force the radiance to come back
0: correct they're trying to reunite the the listeners and the singers with their spren with their void spren summon the everstorm radiance come back i get to be a radiant that's their right sons of honor are trying to bring back the radiance by introducing spren back to the listeners gotcha so, yes, he does perk up when he hears about ancient radiance and stuff like that. Elliot, you have something else in the outline here. Do you want to mention this? Because this you added this very briefly before we started recording, which made me go have to look up several quotes, which I'll read here in a second.
1: And now I'm intrigued by this because I noticed there was... When I I read through this chapter, I I was kind of with you, Paul, of your your comment before of like, I'm like, okay, okay, this is all good to know, yada, yada. Okay, I'll, I'll wait for the actual information later. Then I realized there's kind of a suspicious character in this scene and that this person does not have a name. The only description I could find of them is the surgeon's assistant. It's a woman. And then also I think she's later referred to as the woman with the rings. So it's the surgeon's assistant who has rings. She's kind of the main voice of who is speaking with I in most of these scenes. She's like kind of prying Eshenai for information and, and Gavilar joins the conversation later. We just kind of talked about that, but, but it's this woman who's kind of asking questions up front, which at first you're like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Spren. What's uh, okay, cool. But then I I was realizing this person is actually asking very specific questions that are hinting out, they're getting at information that they seem like they shouldn't have at this point. That this person very specifically asks, how do you see spren? Ash and I was like, wow, well, look like this. Have you ever seen a spren act like a person? Ash and I was like, Oh yeah, I've seen a spren act like a person. Have you ever seen a wind spren act like a person? like, all of these questions are like, well, hold on a second. This person knows about Radiant Sprint. This person is asking about, have you ever been in contact with a Radiant Sprint? But that's like Yasna level of information. That That's like, yasna, remember, this is
0: 10 years in the future. Like, yeah, right.
1: yeah, this, this is back in the day. This is back in the, we have no clue what it means to be a Radiant or what that even looks like. You know, Yasna, through Way of Kings and more so Words of Radiance, we kind of learn that Yasna knows all the answers, that she's been doing the, hist- the, the studying through all the years and whatnot. She knows a lot of stuff. The ghost Bloods know a lot of stuff. But most people don't know anything about Radiance, including, you know, Gavilar's Sons of Honor, right? So he's kind of de- delving into this too. But even like a lot of important people don't know anything about this. Yeah. So who in the world is this person? Who need like my mind immediately went to like ghost blood spy or something like that like who is this that's part of gavilar's party that knows to ask these kinds of questions
0: I'm very happy that your little red flag suspicious person went up because that's very funny to me Paul did you did you notice any of this is it, did your flag go up
2: not entirely. That's I did fine. not get to reread this chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, which feels like it may have been part of it. So so no not exactly. Uh that's fine. It did definitely raise some concerns, but I kinda of passed through them, uh, pretty quickly, I would say.
0: I'm gonna read something. And I'm going to try to keep an eye on Paul
2: at the same time. <laughs> Notify hide. Okay,
0: so you're uh, Ellie. You're absolutely right. This I'm really glad you noticed this because this a surgeon's assistant is asking very specific questions, and Eshani describes her as this curious. The woman said, she wore a lot of rings on her right hand, though I couldn't tell why. It seemed like they would get caught on things. It is different. You do see Spren different. I'm going to back up to Lyft's interlude. Bear with me. Windle trailed off as they stumbled across a corpse. It was an old Alethi man in robes. He'd been killed with some kind of knife, wound to the chest, and lay, his eyes opened on the ground, blood on his lips. I believe I've seen him before. A minor Alethi functionary, though his eyes are different now. Curious. Look at his fingers. Tan skin with bands of lighter skin. He was wearing rings at one point. Back to the prologue. Aesidon tugged Navani forcibly back through the gardens toward the kitchens. Thank Kalek you showed up, mother. That man is the most dreadful boar. Boar, Navani said, twisting to gaze over her shoulder. He was talking about gemstones and other gemstones and spren and boxes of spren and storms. You'd think he would understand. I have important people to meet. And his rings on his right hand.
1: And and that was the, that was like the, the Fabriol ardent guy. that Navani was like really excited to meet. Yes. Interesting. I
2: I see the connection. Also, I'm sorry. I taste a little bit of Italian seasoning. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. It's kind of throwing me off. Um, (laughs) not to derail us, but, uh, the last sip really got me. Um, So I I see how this is the same person, right? But I don't understand this. uh, Allegedly, allegedly the same person, right? But even if it is or isn't, I don't think matters for this. But I don't understand the importance of this person right now. Like, I thought this was going to be the classic, oh, it's a herald in our daily life that we're passing by. But I don't think that's the case. Be some, like, famous Fabriol guy. Like, okay. I don't... Like, neat. I don't care too much. Not that important.
0: So, I would go as far to say that the Prologue guy is the same as the Urethiru guy. I, You could probably hypothesize that. But I just wanted to tie in the the rings. Art of like... draw draw a line between rings on the right hand to art of fabrian because that's what that's what eshinai notes of this lady and paul elliot you were right several times after that she just refers to her in her head as oh the lady with the rings that's that's the most notable thing that you see on um with this with this lady so if there's no alarm bells going off for you guys, that's fine. But just keep this in mind. mean, it's been a while since I've been able to dangle things in front of you. I missed this.
1: He, he's enjoying his power too much again. We got to. We I was
2: going to say that's a little bit rude if if you're like, "Ah, oh, I missed this," because you had a solid, almost two years of it, right? And you will well, you never be satisfied? <laughs>
0: I, I miss the I miss the words of Radiance days where you guys clearly know something's happening, but you've no idea what it is. And I'm We're like, mm-hmm. I bet this
2: person is important. And you're like, they are important. <laughs> but you won't wait, know wait, wait another year and then I'll tell you. Exactly. Yeah.
1: I think when I first read that, I actually assumed that Esh and I was seeing a soul caster. And thinking it was rings because we've gotten similar descriptions, but but now that you're connecting it to some other examples of people wearing a lot of rings, specifically potentially on the right hand, definitely some good information tied together. I'm racking my brains to see to, if I can come up with like who these people might be associated with. Assuming we're talking about multiple people here, like is this a brand new organization that we need to be worried about, or are these ghostbloods are these sons of honor. We haven't had that description for any of those. And we've seen a fair amount of both now at this point. So are we talking about another secret organization now, or just maybe a, maybe one of the churches of the ardents or something that is maybe was a lot more advanced than everyone else realized. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting.
0: That's a a good one. Anything else for for 48 before we move on? Alright, so 49. This one, I really enjoy this chapter because Kalanen finally gets to talk to someone about all of his, his troubles here. But Navani is talking to the sibling first, and this goes back to what Elliot was talking about last episode about... Spren experiments and how housing Spren and like there's hints that maybe some serious atrocities were committed against some Spren in the name of science and the sibling tells Navani that there are four nodes she calls them like Fabrials across the tower that defend her sorry that defend the sibling And so then Navani's like, oh, that's really good to know. Where are they? And how do I destroy them? How do I protect them? Whatever you need me to do. And the sibling says, we're not friends. I'm not telling you that you don't get to know that. Because the sibling holds serious grudges against Navani for what she does. So.
1: definitely important information about the nodes i'm kind of thinking of those as like remote access points to the sibling like the sibling is down in this heart of the tower this pillar down at the bottom but then you can also access the sibling through these four originally right that we've destroyed one Mm -hmm. three more kind of like remote control centers that you can access and talk to sibling or make changes to the tower or whatever it's supposed to be used for when the power, the tower is fully operational. So yeah, we may need access to those at some point here. Navani has another thought in this scene too, which I actually thought was interesting. Navani's thinking ahead. Navani's already thinking, hang on a minute. We've got the sibling who is a spren that can create a bondsmith. Our other bondsmith is really powerful, can do a ton of really amazing stuff. It'd be really nice if we had another one of those. And yeah. so she's already kind of strategizing like, hmm, sibling really hates me. So <laughs> I'm not going to be able to bond the sibling, but if I can find the right person that also hates Fabrials or something like that, and get that person to bond with the the, the sibling to get the, Another bondsmith on our side. She's already thinking like that level of you know strategy and you know what can we do here.
0: Yeah, that is really funny that Navani was thinking because the sibling calls her out for this. It's like humans are always trying to use everything. Like why can't they just leave things alone? And at the same time, Navani's like, hmm, how can I use the sibling yeah. to like this?
2: Yep, <laughs> it's the same exact breath. I will defend our humans a little bit in that they are kind of under very dire dire circumstances at the moment. So they're looking for everything that they can get a hold of. But I, this may have just been me. But reading this part, whenever she's thinking about the Bondsmith, and I think it... I honestly don't remember if it's something that she's thinking or something that the, the sibling says. But it made me believe that it would point towards Kaladin somehow being a bondsmith with the sibling. I don't know if y'all remember that, but it talks about Kaladin. And I think the sibling sees Kaladin and is like, oh yeah, fourth ideal. Wait, but no plate. Okay. Almost fourth ideal. Um, And it talks about, it simply just uses the word bonds Mm -hmm. and then talks about bondsmiths a little bit. And so it made me feel like that was being set, like just as an idea. But I don't necessarily think that's that's what it was actually doing. But I was curious if either of y'all like picked up on that or thought about that at all. I
0: can't say that I did because I just immediately disqualified Kaladin f- for candidacy for si- sibling bonded bonding. Yes.
2: So. Yeah, and and logically, yes, that's like how it should be. Like mm-hmm. if I'm thinking logically, like will it happen? I don't know how it would happen like this, especially with the, the, the relationship between Kaladin and Sil, like there, there's no way that could happen, but it did make me think of like, if a character were to hypothetically become a bondsmith, it would be pretty cool for, uh, for Kaladin to kind of like have that kind of level up, especially now that he's taking a less battlefield
1: approach. I would say. My first thought when Kaladin, came into contact with the sibling and was like, oh wow, we have one of our most powerful radiants coming in contact with another really powerful spren. I didn't I didn't immediately jump to like, you know, oh, maybe they could bond and become a bondsmith, but just the two of them like interacting, that's a powerful combo for yeah. our heroes here. But Paul, I, I did pick up on a little bit of something. The way the sibling talked about Kaladin was like, oh yeah, and there's two radiants in this tower that are very different. And, you know, lift and Kaladin and the way she or I, I think of the sibling as a she for some reason, but it's actually very clear in the text that it is not a she and yeah. that it's a it's a it's a they. It's a they. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, anyway.
0: And, and part of that is the sibling wants to disconnect from humans as much as yeah. possible. So, like, I'm yep. not an, I'm not an honor sprint. I don't pretend to be a girl or a guy. I am a they.
1: Yep. Yeah. So the. The sibling. That they do talk about Kaladin as if like oh he he's different he's got something special going on there so I I'm not gonna totally discount like maybe where you're you're thinking there Paul
2: I don't know how it would work but it would be pretty cool somehow if it somehow in some way works um,
0: I I assume that the strongest contender right now is David right? That David had a connection with the sibling before David's just kind of doing his own thing and isn't connected to, you know, Fabrials or anything like that. Um, he is kind of a, he, he's an honorary wind runner. He's bridge four. So he's got the honor code that, that like you guys are saying, the sibling talks pretty highly of, but, um, has no spread to go along with it. So I would say David would be the, the number one contender
2: i see what you're saying however for there to be another bondsmith i think it would be very like honest honestly i think it would be kind of lame if it was dabit like <laughs> there's not that much with dabit like mm-hmm. there, there's like we know who it is he's been around for a while but like I don't have strong attachments, and I don't think enough is written about him to have strong attachments. And I feel like for our second Bond, like a, a potential second Bondsmith, like, that's such a high character role that I cannot imagine it going to David.
1: You, you realize I would... that the, uh, Dabbit fan club just unfollowed this podcast. They
2: right? did. They did. And they they did all, when all, all three of them can leave, I guess. I don't know. Ouch. When
0: Paul's ranking came out, the Dabbit fan club unsubscribed. So they're already gone. That's true.
2: Fair. That's true. They've been gone. Uh, but like, we've only seen stuff from him like rec- recently. I guess maybe okay. at the beginning and then now. But that's not necessarily that important right now. Uh, Can I? He hasn't really done anything that I'm like, oh, I don't like him. But there's just so little about him that I can't imagine him being a bondsmith next to Dalinor. Like, that Fair. does not make sense. Can I... Can I entertain another one that you
0: might
1: like more? Yes, for sure. Elliot, do you know where I'm going with this? I really hope you're going to go where I want to go with this. So shoot. Right. What about
0: the member of Bridge Four who is having trouble bonding a Windrunner's Spren at the beginning of the book. What about Relaine?
2: That would bondsmith? be awesome. Yeah, I would be super down.
1: I like it. I'm going to throw smoke. another bomb on you in a second, but I, I like that one a lot, actually, because there's bits in, in this chapter which are intriguing to me because the sibling keeps talking and eventually gets to the hey the day i lost my power was the day that the unmade that was tied to the listeners or the singers sorry was bound and they lost their ability to their of their forms like the day they were bound into parchment is the day that the sibling lost their powers yeah so there's some sort of re- connection there and and she i keep thinking she they the sibling Says like there was a connection to Roshar that was broken there. So for a, a native of Roshar, a singer to come in in the form of lane, that might be a, a way to get a, a foot in the door with the sibling. I like that idea. I did not think of that. I was going to say the sibling is so
2: apprehensive towards the Alethi, towards yeah. the humans here that it would make that like that that would be pretty sick. Yeah,
1: I think there is one Alethi, though that might have a shot. Okay. Adolin.
2: I thought about this.
1: Okay. Yeah. We, we've already theorized where we think Adolin's story might be going. He We haven't seen him in a while. He just went into, goodness, lasting integrity. Lasting the, integrity. Yep. The fortress of the honor spren. we've been theorizing that he might be able to win some of the spren back over to their side by his connection to Maya and his maybe ability to reawaken Maya from the death that she suffered at the hands of a radiant. What if all that happens? And what if by doing that instead of, I I think the, the assumption that might kind of fall with that is that Adolin would then go and bond Maya. But what if that act would be enough to kind of convince the sibling that no, not all humans are terrible. In fact, here's Adolin who just kind of rediscovered the importance of Spren and is able to reawaken the Spren that was, that was killed. Maybe that would be enough to get the sibling kind of get through that barrier with the the sibling and Adolin could become a bondsmith next to Dalinar. I
2: have, I actually have a couple things. One I really like that. I thought about Adeline. I was trying to think of our major characters who aren't, and knights radiant yet, right? Um, two. I. I. Well, I could see that very much being. I, I'm almost on the boat that. If that were to happen, if if Maya were to actually come back somehow, then, I feel like Adeline would just like stick with Maya. Right. Uh, but if it's, like, that's not possible, which I think is a good way to write the story of, like, no, it's not possible, but there's some kind of growth, or at least the sibling seeing Maya can tell how, like, loyal Adolin was, and kind of see a difference there, would would make sense, and it, it could, like, move the sibling to kind of reconsider. Yeah. Um but the one that's kind of under our noses is like Navani, right? Navani. Yeah. That would be quite the power couple. Uh is Navani and Dalinar bondsmiths. That's true. And right now it is like <laughs> right now it is like Seeming like impossible. Like the sibling is like, no, I, I don't I don't want to hang out with you. Like you can't sit at my lunch table. Like <laughs> I don't, Um And and but stuff. but I mean over the
0: course of this proper bondsmith fashion, the Stormfather was not
2: too keen on Dalinar to start. So exactly, Dalinar kind of just was like, "This is what's going to happen." By yeah. the way, <laughs> he just kind of did it. Uh Yeah, so I could see like through development that happening. I think that would be really cool. I, I would, I would, like, I would be down for the power couple bondsmiths. Honestly, meet the bondsmiths. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There we go. And then I mean, we have be a Adolin lot of pressure on the kids. Both yep. your parents are bondsmiths. Like man, high bar.
0: Let me Adolin do the third, and then we've got the the triangle, yeah. or the triforce of yeah. Colin Bondsmiths.
2: Then, they'd be the biggest power family ever because Renard is also this like puzzle piece to defeating Odium. Like yeah. he may not be a bondsmith, but he's like got that, you know.
0: Alright, so then the sibling reveals to Navani that, yeah, there's, I mean, there's only two Radiants a- awake in the tower right now, so you can't really do much with that. And Navani's like, back up, hold on, <laughs> which two were we talking about? And the sibling's like, well, there's one which makes sense to me because she's, she's Lift and she's weird. And Navani's like, okay... And then the other one doesn't make sense to me because he's a windrunner and he's the fourth ideal, but he not, no, nah, he's the third ideal. He's just kind of rambling about Kaladin. And then they set up a, a little telephone call. So Kaladin finally gets to share some of the information he has. Navani gets to give Kaladin an update and a goal, which, just as an aside, is really important for Kaladin in, in in life in general, and specifically right now. So Kaladin is clearly under a mental like attack from Moash and Odium, and having a clear goal, a clear way to have a successful day and have a successful way to fight against the oppression that's hitting you and all your friends... Is really important for Kaladin right now. So having a good goal of, Navani says, "Hey, you need to figure out the the Oath Gates. We need to figure out how they're working the Oath Gates. Whether it's void light or if it's Stormlight, if it's we need to know if Stormlight is workable on the Oath Gates. That's that's your goal right now. And Kaladin's like, okay, I can do that. I I'll, I'll figure it out. And that." just from a mental health standpoint for Kaladin is really important to, to have a, a good goal to work towards right now.
1: There's another part of that conversation that's a little more humorous to me in that they're speaking through the sibling, right? Kaladin and, and Navani. But Navani keeps saying stuff like, yeah, we need to find these things, but the sibling won't tell me about them or the sibling doesn't actually trust me on this but here's what we need to do. Uh, I just can imagine the sibling like relaying this message and then being like you realize I'm right here, right? I'm I'm, I'm right here. And yeah, she I'm,
0: tells she tells Kaladin, we need to find the the nodes that the sibling won't tell me where yep. they are. And the sibling's like hello right. like <laughs> Yep. Yeah. I thought that was funny. That is yeah, that is funny.
1: But yes, sorry to derail your more serious thought about Kaladin and his, his no. having a goal to work towards. Because I do agree that that is a big deal for him and important.
0: Yeah, and she kind of interrupts him in his a successful immediate goal, which he sneaks down to the the ardent infirmary health place, gets some bandages, gets some stuff for for Taft, gets some food, so he gets all his immediate necessities. Settled um by sneaking back down to the what of the fourth floor. Um and talks to the ardent dude who was housing that mental health guy um from part two. So
1: Kaladin is definitely in a much better place at this point. He's got some supplies, he's got a mission to work on. Guess the only downside is he's got Moash in his dreams, but hey. Doing okay
0: and teft is teft is unconscious but he's seems to be closer to consciousness than everybody else because he's also a third ideal windrunner same ideal as kaladin but maybe not quite as close to the fourth ideal as kaladin is so that's why or that's the explanation we get i'm not convinced that that is that the actual explanation of why kaladin's awake but anything else for 49 all right Elliot, what is a cow
1: what is a cow I laughed out loud when I read that section of this this chapter it's kind of thrown thrown in there I I don't even remember I didn't I didn't mark it in my book but wit makes some sort of a reference to a cow and is like what? what what is a cow and then that's when wit launches on his his Sad. Oh, man, I wish you guys had cows around here. I miss those big, juicy, delicious animals. It's like, <laughs> okay, what? But it, that was another little funny moment where you remember that this is a completely different world. And they, they have some things that Earth might have, like a like horses. They have horses. But then they have other things that are completely different. And they don't have cows. They have crab cows. Choles. Yes.
2: Choles. Yep.
1: Yeah. I...
0: I do think it's kind of funny that Wit's not even trying anymore to to hide. He's he's just straight up telling people, "Yeah, I'm not I'm not from here. You can hypothesize all you want. I'm not going to tell you, but I'm I'm from a place where there's cows and there's no cows here."
1: There's even a great comment later on when we get to like the the duel where Yasna and, and Ruthar are going to go at it, and Wit kind of jumps in, and Ruthar's like, "I'm going to kill you, you Wit," and Dallas like you know, you could try if you want, but I'm not sure that he can actually be killed because he seems very different. And I just got this side comment of, yeah, people are definitely picking up on the fact that Wit is not from around here. Yep. So
0: from last episode, Dalinar has kind of a musing to himself of, can we repair the existing Oath Pact and then this episode, he is he's asking questions of Wit and Yasna of can we refor can we forge a new oath pact? Do- can I force Odium to um, back up his contest of champions? Can I force him into picking a champion? So we have a couple different options here as far as Dalinar's mind is concerned because Dalinar's main focus, of course, is stop the war or at bare minimum, stop the fused from coming back and then end the war that way by killing the rest of the fused and stopping them from coming back. So as far as end game plans, there is reforge the existing oath pact, re- like maintain the existing oath pact and throw the rest of our heralds back into damnation which is the original plan that Yasna has in Oathbringer, if you remember, that we need to find all the heralds and kill them. That's that's the plan. Plan B is new Oath Pact. Um, can we can we can I create a new one? He asks the Stormfather, and the Stormfather's like, I have no idea, dude. What I don't why are you asking me? And then option three is can we beat Odium once and for all? um can we force him into a uh, contest of champions which one do you guys think will happen
1: i i think i may have spun a theory on this a long time ago now but i'm going to i'm going to stick with it and that's i think they're going to need something completely new either a completely new oath pact or something different because whether it's yasna's solution of kill the existing heralds make them go back force them to go back to uh do their thing or even if it's down our path here of rebuild the the oath pact that's still only as a temporary solution right we've we've learned through thousands of years of history now that that only lasts for so long. And these people, these heralds are so broken at this point. I don't think that they can hold this oath pack together any longer. Right. Even if you kill them all, they're just going to break in a, another year or something's going to happen. Again, they're, they're not going to be able to keep it going. They've, I think they've proven that they are no longer the solution. So I think, I think Dalinar needs either... A brand new oath pack with brand new heralds, like all new, same thing but all new, or something completely different. Because even then, if you if you do the same thing again, now you're just setting yourself up for repeating history four thousand years from now. And so, I I don't know. New oath pact. I think that's what he needs.
0: I yeah. If I were to hypothesize, I'll let you go here in a second, Paul, but. I yeah I think it's gonna be something new as well. They have to strike odium at the source. They can't do this oath pact thing anymore.
2: I also agree. If there is some form of oath pact, it's got to be different. Um, I don't know what that looks like in the difference. Um, but I think there's yeah in some way they have to bring down odium or at least. Shatter, capture something has to happen, I think, to Odium. Uh for this to be like the big ending, I guess. Um I don't know exactly what that looks like. In my head it it one hundred percent involves Renarin and Nightblood somehow. Maybe not in the hands of Renorin, but uh I could I think I think a contest of champions where Zeth gets to draw Nightblood would just be the coolest thing ever, so so that would be pretty dope.
0: While we're on the topic, who do you guys think Dalinar? If you ask Dalinar right now in this book, on this page, who Dalinar would pick as his champion?
2: Didn't, didn't he want to use himself, or he was willing to use himself?
0: Yes. So the original, uh, the original appointment was himself.
1: It's either himself or it's Zeth. I think those are the two obvious ones. He he knows he has an incredibly powerful tool in Zeth. He's seen what Zeth can do on the battlefield. They know that the, that Nightblood is something ridiculous. I think that'd be my first guess, is they'd send Zeth into battle and say, pull that thing out and see what happens. Exactly.
2: I feel like it's either gonna be like the literal combat of Zeth, or it's gotta be like Dalinar in some like he's gonna read a book again, you know, yeah. kind of way, like and and win by saying the most important words a man can say or something like that. Um,
0: you know, they'll pull Nightblood out and see what happens. I have this—I've never shared this on the on the podcast before. I have this terrible mental image. Of Nightblood, and now you guys will too, as the Luigi's Mansion vacuum, <laughs> and he pulls it out and just starts sucking in all the all the stormlight, all the people around him, and just absorbs it into the sword. And that's how that that's how Nightblood works. I have this, ter- yeah, exactly. Like I have this this horrible, and now everybody who's watching has that mental image as well. You're welcome. As Nightblood, as a Luigi's Mansion vacuum.
1: With I think sense that's of humor. an
2: excellent image. I think that's an excellent image. I don't think that's something that's bad at all. I've deliberately kept
0: that to myself to not curse anybody else's man- imagination <laughs> with it. But... Yeah.
2: Alright,
0: so, the second half of this scene is an elaborate plan of Yasna's to rid her High Prince court of the sexist and whatever else is that Ruthhar is, and replace him with his son who is much more amiable and willing to to listen. What did you guys think of this scene? I have mixed feelings, which I'll talk about at the follow-up here, but what'd you guys think?
1: Mixed feelings is a good way to to state it. I like that Yasna is really shaking things up here. She is yeah. really going after all the things she wants to change and not holding back, which I think is good. She's tackling things like slavery and sexism and other things that are need to change. She, the monarchy in general. Yeah, she even kind of ends this chapter talking about the monarchy itself and saying, I'm, I may be the last... Traditional monarch of this country, as we see better ways to do things, or you know, democracy, or whatever you might want to think they might be headed to next. But the way she goes about this is rather forceful. I mean, this is the brute force approach for sure. I'm I'm gonna kill you, and then have my radiant cousin here revive you to prove a point. And like, uh, okay. I I don't know, maybe
2: that's, like, ruling with an iron fist or something. I don't know what to call it, but it's... I I also have mixed feelings of she has to be drastic to get a point across, but I I think this was over-the-line kind of thing. Like, if you're going to do it, do it, but, like, it... I imagine Brandon Sanderson had fun writing this scene just because he gets to write all these like big insults and things to kind of goad Ruth R., um into like calling for trial by combat and all this stuff. Um
0: I I have a a mental image of Brandon Sanderson having a document of insults that he's like kept over the years and then he just uh-huh. plugs plugs them in as he gets wit you he's just like and eh, that one and eh, that one,
2: yeah exactly he gets to just pull out his book of book of ridicule um here, but it honestly if if Yasna and I felt like wit was kind of Yasna's pawn through this he was just excited to make fun of someone mm-hmm. uh I feel like Yasna was the one calling the shots here. I feel like if the point was High Prince Ruthar is being an absolute nuisance and everything, and he needs to be removed from the equation and kind of getting him riled up into calling for trial by combat and killing him, I would be cool with that. But in the sense that doing that and then like healing him and being like, haha, this is what can we learn from this? You know, I feel like that was
1: I feel like that was a bit intense. And and then she goes also at the end of it and says, Oh yeah. And I'm also going to remove that law in, and trial or duel by combat to, to settle arguments is no longer legal. Yeah. It's like, um, okay. So you're going to use your trial by combat to outlaw trial by combat. Like, are, are we kind of in a do as I say, not as I do sort of thing now? Yasna?
0: Yeah. I I'm a big fan of this scene in general because of like the power that Yasna is displaying and not afraid to display. The only thing I wish is I wish it was against somebody that actually mattered. We don't know R- Ruthar. Like Ruthar has had maybe two lines of dialogue in the entire Stormlight Archive up until this. Now, I wish this was against somebody who actually was a character as opposed to Ruthar who's just insert sexist high prince here. Like this is just it. He doesn't. It, it feels like it falls a little flat for me. Like, could you imagine if this was Sadius and she stabs Sadius through th- through the throat, or Amram, or you know somebody who we've been, you know, had had beef with? That eh, funny. Um, for for multiple books and not been able to get our revenge here and finally we get to expose them for the terrible person they are in front of the court and then stab them through the throat that is what happens here but Ruthar is not really a character in my opinion so I I just wish this had more weight to it based on who it was against
2: I agree entirely if I if I felt if I knew about Ruthar in a similar way to like Sadius and others, right. Then I could be much more in defense of, of Yasna here. Right. Um, and I imagine if there was kind of like a movie adaptation or show adaptation, it would probably be easier to kind of fit that in of ruthar as this corrupt bad guy, you know, it would probably come across way more clearly, but you're right. Like we haven't really seen any dialogue. Like we don't, We're not here talking about how he's among our villains,
0: you know? Ruthar's always been the saddiest plus one. Saddiest and his group of guys, that's Ruthar. So, and that's it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, at the the same time, it's also tough because I think this isn't... It's not meant to be a a huge moment where, like, a villain dies or something like that or a villain is deposed. It's kind of supposed to be the random guy. Yasna is just trying to make a point sort of thing. Right. So I like, like who would you put in there? You know, Sadius, Amram, something like that. I think if you did that, you'd have to seriously restructure some plot, like to make that happen, to make this moment mean something. I almost wonder if it's almost like not supposed to mean something. Right. It's, it's just supposed to show that Yasna is willing to go to quite a, quite a bit of length to, to make her point. And to to make the change that she wants to see in in Carr, so yeah, I don't know. I mixed feelings for sure. Something about it doesn't quite sit right with me, but I'm not sure how I would have done it differently either. Yeah. Wit makes an interesting comment here. After Yasna does the the deed, kills Ruth Ruthar, and then Bernard brings it back to life, essentially, Wit just kind of offhand mentions oh man, that was the first time my sword ever killed anyone. And goodness knows, I, I would never have been able to do that. And I kind of like reread that a couple times. I was like, wait, what? You're supposed to be like the super old, been around for thousands of years. I, I don't know that we know that for sure, but that's in my headcanon for sure. How in the world have you been carrying this sword this whole time and it never killed anyone with it? And then his second comment almost seems to seem make it sound like he's a pacifist or something and would never kill anyone. Yeah, which that wouldn't surprise me with Hoyt does seem to be a little more of the kind of behind the scenes, pull the strings kind of a guy or or jump in where, you know, the, the action hero wouldn't realize they need to, you know, act here. Hoyt is kind of notices the things no one else does. But I, I don't know, something about this really surprised me. Hoyt's never killed anyone. The, his sword has never seen action like this. Wow.
2: I was so excited to see Hoyt fight too. <laughs> when this happened, I was—I really wanted to—to to see Hoyt fight.
0: Anything else from this chapter? Even though you didn't get to see Hoyt fight, think we'll ever get to see Hoyt fight? Since he just dropped the bomb of "I could never kill anyone,"
1: I—I I mean, we're going off of half of a sentence, like, five words here, but this seems to imply yes, that he's a no-violence kind of guy? Maybe. Will we see him fight? I mean, we could
2: see him fight and not kill, but I don't... Especially if you asked me before this chapter, I would say no. Like, we're probably not gonna see Hoyd fight. Yeah. Um, At least not. But I mean... I, I wonder if the rubber ever met the road of... We we had our big Cosmere conversation of how there's kind of this Hoid story interwoven through a lot of, like, all the Cosmere. Yep. Uh, and if it really came to, to terms of, like, in order to restore these shards of adenoseum or, like, what not his overall goal, and he had to do some form of intervention, and this is, like, his whole
1: thing, so, like, maybe he would... You know? But he typically does his battles with words though. So true.
0: I think if we ever would see Boyd kill anyone, it would not be in the Stormlight archive. It would either be before before he swears his pacificity, um, that apparently he has here, or after it's some more dire time that's outside of Roshar. That'd be my guess. All right. Present day Venli, uh, to end the episode here. This is the first time we've had present day Venli in part three here, talking to Raboniel, and they're having this conversation of, yeah, Navani's clearly stalling. We, we don't really care that Navani's clearly stalling, but that's what she's doing. Like, she's not she's not fooling them at all. And yeah, Raboniel doesn't really Venley asks her if like, does that does that really bother you? And Valley's like, no, she's not going anywhere. I I don't care. And then after that conversation, Venley has a conversation with some of her what do I what do I call them? Her club yeah her little her little run club breakfast club and she is has the ambition of as soon as something happens in the tower because something's you know bound to happen in the tower whether that's the radiance wake up or the war ends or whatever as soon as as soon as something happens in the tower we're gone we're running down the stairs down into the basement down out the tunnels we're going to go hide in the mountains we're gone and her, I don't remember who he, she's talking to, but he says, yeah, and one of our, our our ladies who's part of the club, she's been trying to recruit and might have blown your cover. So what do you guys think of this?
1: I'm, I'm definitely worried about Bentley at this point because, yeah, she's been trying to pull this undercover thing where she wants to pull together a group escape the fuse, basically do what the listeners did before of, nope, we're breaking from this. We don't want to do this, but we don't really want to join the humans either. We're just going to go do our own thing. Leave us alone. We're going to do our own thing. So she's kind of gathering a following that's going to go do that with her. But yeah, she's like, she daily like talks with people like Raboniel and Leshwi and people like that. So she has to maintain some pretty serious cover And so for part of her group to now be going off and kind of spilling the beans, talking to the wrong people, I could see that getting back to the wrong people real fast. So yeah, yeah, not, not good.
0: I wonder if, well, it's going to sound cheeky coming from me, so I won't say that. I was, about, I was going to say, like, I wonder if we're going to see Venli, like, be forced to take on a Storm as Bren and she has to fight it or something, you know, but
2: I wonder. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, that, uh, I think if anyone has the most plot armor right now, honestly, I think it's Venley, just since this is her book. And if she dies, there's no point in like if she dies right now, like gets caught out and and killed, before there's ever a chance of like anything else happening, I feel like it's kind of no point unless someone else is impacted, someone else is something else happens. Like she can't die yet. Like story wise, she can't die yet. So I, I'm I, not.
0: <laughs> I would agree with you. I would say that she. It's possible for her to die at the end of the book. But that's, not, yes, that's but not true. Right now, yeah, I, I agree. Like
2: right now, do I think she's in danger in this scenario? No. Uh, I do. Th- I like it. Very well, could happen later on. Like I would, I would easily believe that. Uh, but like right now, do I think she's going to get caught out and killed or something? No. She might get caught, or maybe something will happen. But I mean, they seem pretty li- literally and figuratively cutthroat. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think if if she was like revealed as a radiant or whatever, like they would just kill her like right. Like no
1: questions. Um, I'm, I think I'm less worried about Venley dying and more worried about losing the opportunity to bridge the gap between humans and singers. Venley yeah. seems like this, this perfect opportunity to show or, or, Maybe not perfect opportunity. Venley is an opportunity to maybe create some sort of a relationship between the two or show that, hey, Radiance, singers can also be Radiance. And so if the Fused find out about her spren and somehow kill her spren or break that bond or prevent that from happening, that's actually what I'm I'm more worried about. I'm honestly this is gonna sound callous, but I'm not super in in love with Venley at this point. Like uh if we were to lose her, I probably wouldn't lose any sleep over it. I she's a cool character, I'm intrigued about where she's going, but at the same time, like I don't know. I agree with you. She's got enough plot armor.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. The very end of this chapter, Venley kind of muses to herself of Man, I'm I'm not the person I used to be I, I've come a long way And Timber pulses to her And says, oh no, I'm sure you were fine Back then And Bentley's like mm, I, No I think, I think it's time for me to share About who I used to be And that's how the chapter ends So I think some flashback chapters might Be getting a little spicy here in a little bit and I genuinely don't remember if I'm being like 100% transparent here. I don't remember if if and when that happens. So
1: I I am excited to get to well, the twist in the flashbacks. What what are we going to learn about Venley that is going to surprise us? I want yeah. to I want to get to that.
0: I guess in our flashbacks up until this point, we've had the understanding of the outcome of the twist and, and I don't know if we have that with Venli because Kaladin, you know, he becomes a slave how does he become a slave? Let's find out Shallan loses her entire family, has to be go steal a soulcaster, how does that happen? Let's find out and then Dalinar, you know, loses his wife, loses his memories that's all pretty set out for us Venli I don't know if we really know what's coming
2: It's true. That's a good point I had not thought about. Of they could be kind of anything. And maybe that that's probably why we haven't seen flashback chapters yet, is maybe there's a little bit less build up required because we don't know the point we need to arrive at. Yeah. Maybe. Um So honestly, whenever it happens, we could be dropped closer to the point of insert big event whatever that might be here. Um, because with our other stories, like we know kind of what's coming. So we go back far and we see what happens and we're like, Ooh, when is it going to happen uh, here? We could lit- It could literally be a chapter and it's just like, here is what happened. Like, yeah. Um, hypothetically. Uh, so I don't know. I- I'm curious to see, because, because that's been one of my big questions going into this book is, what what is our Venli flashback chapter going to be about? Is she, are we going to see her younger, being like, "Hmm, I wonder if we could have peace with the Alethi Like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what that's going to look like, or how it's going to be pertinent to our story. I
0: don't know.
1: Read and find out, I suppose.
0: Yes, indeed. Anything else for this episode? Alright, if that is the case, let us go read and find out where we can be next week. Thanks for joining me for episode 115.
1: See you next time. Hasta luego.